All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I am giving you my detailed scouting report of Falcons number one pick, AJ Terrell. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years. I'm on Twitter at Falcons, and of course, the host of this preeminent Locked On Falcons podcast. You are a daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So today we are doing the first of six. Uh, in-depth scouting reports where I will devote an entire episode to giving you my thoughts on each of the Falcons 2020 draft picks. These will be spread out over the next couple of weeks, but uh, we'll start off things with AJ Terrell, the Falcons number one pick out of Clemson, the cornerback, and we'll sort of talk about what I think his strengths and his weaknesses are. I'll give sort of a NFL comparison and a projection in terms of what I think he could potentially be at the next level. And then we'll sort of get into the nitty gritty of where I feel like his development process and his fit in Atlanta is going to go. And we'll try to at least attempt to map out a realistic timeline of sort of how his development might go over the next couple of seasons. But without further ado, let's sort of jump into that uh, scouting report and talk about his strengths and his weaknesses And, you know, one of the things that stood out to me about A.J. Terrell was the fact that Clemson showed a lot of trust in him in man coverage. I know a lot of people focus on that national title game in which he had his fair share of struggles against LSU wide receiver Jamar Chase. But the fact that Clemson showed the amount of trust in him to be able to line him up against Jamar Chase in press man cover one without safety help and felt that level of confidence in Terrell's ability as a matchup corner, I think does speak to his natural skill. Obviously that did not go in Clemson's favor in that particular game, but I do think that does indicate to us sort of what AJ Terrell has at least the potential to be at the next level. He is a scheme versatile guy that can play in a variety of zone coverages. He can play in that press man coverage. He's a physical disciplined player. He checks a lot of the boxes that you're looking for in terms of having a high end corner that has the potential to be that number one corner that can go toe to toe with some of the premier wide receivers in the NFL. You know, not only is that ability in man coverage, but the other thing that really stood out to me in a major way with AJ Terrell was just how disciplined he was in zone. He was rarely out of position. He was comfortable working his assignments, whether it was cover one or I'm sorry, cover two, cover three. He can cover that deep third. You could see him switching off the communications with that Clemson secondary, very few mental errors, very little miscommunications and does a great job keeping things in front of him and attacking those underneath routes and those throws into the flat and underneath and whatnot and coming downhill with some physicality and some authority. That was the other thing about him when it came to his ability and run support where he's not the biggest guy, you know, he looked like he, he came in at the combine about 195 pounds, looked like he weighed closer to 185 pounds at Clemson. So he probably bulked up a little bit, but he's a guy that plays bigger than his size indicates because of that sort of skinnier frame that he has. 
he's not the strongest guy, but he plays a physical style of football. So he's one of those guys that I would love to see sort of hit the weight room and, and get a little bit stronger to sort of match that sort of mentality that he has. But when it comes to run support, he's a guy that's going to lower the shoulder. He's going to bring, you know, some pop. He's going to go through the ball carrier and, and generally he's going to chop those guys down. You know, he does a good job wrapping up, although there are times where he needs to do a better job of that. And I think in the NFL, because of his smaller frame, his skinnier frame, um, he's going to have, he's going to lead to him missing more tackles in the pros than he did in college. But I do think at the very least, he has the mentality that you're looking for. So that's something that I, I have confidence that he can continue to get better at as he gets stronger. We talk about the physicality, the ability to play that press man coverage. You know, he's not going to be this guy that's going to be this Aqib Talib type of bump and run corner that's going to be able to jam the bigger, more powerful wide receivers in the NFL. But he does a good job when it comes to his press technique and his ability to jam receivers and redirecting guys at the line of scrimmage. But that physicality does have a little bit of a drawback when it comes to his tendency to be a little grabby at times. It tends to draw some penalties. It's not a major issue with his game in terms of, you know, he's not the next Robert Alford when it comes to his tendency to get penalties, but he'll get some flags every now and then for some pass interference, you know, grabbing some defensive holding. He'll do that from time to time. And that's something that he's going to have to clean up, but I don't think it's going to be a major issue, but it is certainly something that I feel like he needs to do a better job with. We know he has great length. We know he has ball skills. He does a good job using that length when it comes to getting spacing, particularly on the vertical routes, using the sideline um, as an extra defender on those vertical routes, particularly when he's working those sort of that deep vertical third in the cover three. He's got the link to contest throws, whether they're high throws, jump balls, whether they're crossing routes, those types of things. He'll stick his arms in there. He'll stick his hands in there, dislodge the ball and break up passes. I think he does a, a pretty good job turning and locating the ball in the air on those vertical routes. I think he can do better there. There are times where he'll get beat. He'll lose at the catch point because he doesn't do a great job turning and locating the ball. Uh, he can lose track of the ball a little bit. And I wish he would do a better job attacking the ball at the catch point. It seems to be that even though he's in a position to contest throws, not as many of those throws wind up getting broken up when you come to those back shoulder fades, those 50-50 balls down the field. So I feel like that's an area of his game that certainly could improve, but certainly has the athleticism, has the ability to mirror guys, match up in man-to-man. The routes that he tended to struggle with in my film study were those comeback routes, those routes where he's playing off and then the receiver breaks underneath and he needs to drive a little bit better and, and be in a position to make those tackles immediately after the catch if he's not going to contest those throws. Most of the times he did, but sometimes he did not. But the majority of the times he got beat were those comeback throws. It were their in-breaking routes, which are difficult to defend, particularly when you're an outside corner with that sort of outside leverage. And so the slants, the crossers, the digs, those types of routes, particularly when you play in the Falcons cover three style of defense, those are the type of routes that tend to attack the cover three very successfully. And I think there's room for him to improve there. One of the other things I noticed about him, he has a tendency to slip a lot, you know, and stumbling some out of his breaks a little bit. I don't know if it's a balance issue. I don't know if he just has the wrong cleats. I don't know if it's the playing surface issue, but there were just a number of times I noticed him slipping out of his breaks. And that's something that maybe he, he needs to clean up uh, moving forward. You know, he's, he, he is an outside corner. Um, I think he can 
hold his own in the slot, but I don't think that's really where he's going to be best utilized because he's not going to be able to play as much press. He's not going to be able to jam. He's not going to be able to use that length to sort of redirect receivers where he wants them to go uh, working out of the slot as he normally would as an outside receiver. So I feel like if he's pressed into duty, he can hold his own in the slot, but I don't necessarily feel like he's going to have that high level ability or at least has developed yet that high level ability where he could be a true shadow corner that is going to follow the number one receiver wherever he goes, whether he's on the outside or the inside, that type of player. So I don't know if he's that type of dude yet, but there is some potential worth developing. He does have the athleticism that I think he could handle and hold his own in the slot. So those are the strengths and weaknesses of AJ Terrell. He's a guy that checks a lot of boxes, a very solid corner. Most of the issues you have with him are nitpicks. They're all areas that certainly can get better and improve, but it's not any major glaring issues in his game. There aren't any major glaring holes in his game. It's just a couple of things that he could be better at to make him into arguably a, an elite uh, cornerback type of prospect. So I do feel like he's a, a really a high end corner and certainly is a guy that is definitely deserving of being picked where the Falcons wound up picking him 16th overall, you know, I, again, because of, some of those issues, I probably would grade him more in that latter part of round one in terms of my grades as a player, but certainly a guy that's on the cusp of being what I would consider to be like a top 15 sort of talent that uh, is typically I reserve those types of grades for the guys that I think truly do have the high, high uh, end upside to be elite NFL players. And I think AJ Terrell is right on the cusp of that. So you know, I wanted to get through those strengths and weaknesses. We'll get into sort of more of that in terms of where his ceiling is as a pro. We'll talk about where his floor is, where he's going to be coming into the pros coming up today on Locked on Falcons. But I want to let you guys know that, you know, if you're not subscribed to the Locked on Falcons podcast, why don't you do so? You can subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Now, I know if you're like me, besides worrying about who the Falcons take in the first round of every NFL draft, you probably spend the most amount of time worrying about where your next meal is going to come from. That's why I love Postmates. They deliver from every restaurant I can think of right to my door. Postmates doesn't just deliver chicken wings and sushi. They make my life actually easier with grocery store delivery and whatever I can think of delivery to convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. So no more trips to the store or late night fast food runs. And I don't even have to worry about where I grab my lunch anymore. You don't either just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites and get anything you want delivered within the hour for a limited time. Postmates is hooking up our listeners with $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days to start your free deliveries, download the app and use the promo code locked on NFL that's code locked on NFL for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days. When you download the Postmates app, anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. So when I'm projecting players into the league and when I'm doing these breakdowns, I like to look at a player's floor. I like to look at a player's ceiling. And then I sort of, what I 
think a player is going to be is what I call eye level, which is basically halfway between the floor and the ceiling, depending on how tall you are, but you get the gist of it. And when I'm looking at a player's floor, I'm looking at what I think a guy is going to be coming into the league. It's not what I think he's going, the minimum he's going to be five years from now. It's day one, week one. This is what you can expect this guy to be coming right out of the gates. And generally speaking, because of that, my floor projections tend to be a lot lower than the average fan or the average evaluator because I'm not necessarily trying to project what he's going to be at a minimum five years from now. Cause I don't know what he's going to be five years from now because what a player is going to be is based off of so many unknown factors like durability, coaching scheme, you know, personal issues, work ethic, character, you know, if he breaks up with his girlfriend, he can have a bad weekend uh, on Sunday or whatever the case may be. So it's so many unknown variables that trying to project out what a guy's going to be at a minimum five years from now, I think is is a fool's errand. Instead, I like to project out what is he going to be week one? What do I think he is right now entering the NFL? And for A.J. Terrell, the player comparison in terms of what I think his floor is, is a player like Keenan Lewis. Keenan Lewis tested and measured almost identically to AJ Terrell coming out. For those of you guys that don't remember Keenan Lewis has been out of the league for five years, but played with the Pittsburgh Steelers with a third round pick out of Oregon state back in 2009, played with the Steelers then came to the new Orleans saints, finished his career in new Orleans. And the player I'm sort of thinking of is more of the Keenan Lewis that was in new Orleans. Um, and you know, he earlier in his career in Pittsburgh, particularly he took a couple of years to get up to speed and become a starter, but became a solid number two corner for the Steelers. Um, and it was really good for them in his final year there that led him to being paid by the New Orleans Saints and free agency to be, you know, potentially a guy that they were hoping that could match up with the size and speed of guys like Julio Jones. By and large, he spent more time covering people like Roddy White. I thought Keenan Lewis did a, a pretty solid job for the first year or so of his time in New Orleans, but he was a guy that wasn't quite able to to match up against those top tier wide receivers. He did it. He did hold his own against Roddy in, in, in those 2013 and 2014 years. But as you guys remember, Roddy white was dealing with injuries. He was dealing with decline at that point in his career. And I don't think Keenan Lewis would have been able to go toe to toe with a guy like Roddy white at the peak of his career. And so that's my floor for AJ Terrell. He's a guy that I think can hold his own against the better wide receivers in the NFL, but he's not going to be a guy that you're going to trust to, to put on an Island against Julio Jones. As we saw with the saints, you know, they had Keenan Lewis, presumably the, the lockdown of Julio Jones. And when push came to shove Rob Ryan, the, the saints defensive coordinator back then wasn't going to have Keenan Lewis try to shadow Julio Jones. And I think that's kind of the floor, the starting point for AJ Terrell a guy that can come and be a quality starter in this league but not going to be the guy that you trust to go against the, the premier receivers. Let's move on to where I think uh, AJ Terrell's ceiling is. And to me, his ceiling is kind of peak Darius Slay. And I think they're similar athletically in a lot of ways. And I think when you look at sort of the peak of Darius Slay and what he has been at his peak level in Detroit, he's been a high level press man shadow corner. Darius Slay is going to be put on an Island against the other team's number one receiver. And that guy lines up outside inside. He's going to follow him all around the league, all around the field. I'm sorry. And Slay is going to be a playmaker. That's what Slay is. I think the difference between AJ Terrell and Darius Slay, I think right now is I think Darius Slay has that high level on ball production, the pass breakups, the interceptions. I think his ball skills were better coming out of Mississippi state when he came out in 2013 than I think what AJ Terrell's are coming out now 
in 2020. And I think we saw Slay, you know, thrive off of that ability throughout his career and, and still to this day now he's in Philadelphia. And I feel like Slay has it better than that. But I do feel like there's potential there that, you know, Terrell, you see the flashes of those ball skills that with time, with refinement, with development, he could be a, a player that could make a lot more on ball production. But you didn't see a ton of interceptions at Clemson. You didn't see a ton of pass breakups at Clemson. Some of that was due to teams kind of avoiding him, particularly on that ACC schedule. But it was one of those things where I don't know if he quite has that on ball production where pretty much every pass is going to go in his direction. He has a chance to break up like some other players that we've seen in a guy like Darius Slay has been. But I think that's sort of his peak. Terrell has that ability that if he reaches his full peak, all the things that need to go right, he continues to refine his game. He continues to develop his game and whatever the other variables, the unknowns that need to, to happen. I think he can be that peak Darius Slay where at his best, he's a legit top five corner and the rare type of guy that is going to a team is going to trust. You're going to shadow that number one receiver, whether it's a Julio Jones, whether it's an Antonio Brown, a Devonte Adams, a Mike Evans, a Mari Cooper, etc. We trust that you're going to be able to hold your own against that premier number one receiver and you're going to chase him all around the league and we uh, all around the field I'm sorry and we trust that you're going to be able to hold your own against that guy and I think that's AJ Terrell's peak ceiling so with that said clearly I think his his ceiling is one of the best cornerbacks in the league I think his floor is a solid starter in this league that is decent enough against quality competition but isn't going to be a guy that you can necessarily write home about so what's his eye level what's that midpoint between them and looking at another player that has a similar set of physical tools and athletic skill set, I came with A.J. Bouye. I think T- Terrell is a better athlete than Bouye, particularly he's got more speed than Bouye. And I know that A.J. Bouye, uh, a couple of years ago in particular, was considered one of the better cornerbacks in the, in the NFL. But I think what's notable in those years, including his last year in Houston before he went to Jacksonville in 2017, is that A.J. Bouye wasn't really considered to be the number one guy on either of those teams. It was Jonathan Joseph and Kareem Jackson that were the the top two starters in Houston. And then, of course, you had Jalen Ramsey sort of as that number one guy in in Jacksonville. So essentially, A.J. Bouye was one of the league's best number two corners. Um, and what's interesting about A.J. Bouye, particularly this past season with the trade of Jalen Ramsey, once the Jaguars traded Jalen Ramsey this season, you started to see A.J. Bouye sort of be asked to take on the mantle of being that number one guy that would go toe to toe with the elite receivers that he would face. And Bouye didn't necessarily handle that responsibility well. That's why if you go and look at his pro football focus grade this past season, you see a major dip in his PFF grade in the second half of the season, particularly down the stretch where he was facing guys like Julio Jones and Mike Evans and AJ Brown among some others, Deandre Hopkins. And against those matchups, AJ Bouye didn't quite perform at the level that you would want in terms of a number one sort of shadow corner in the same way that you were talking about a guy like Darius Slay. And it's not to sit here and say that AJ Bouye struggled or was getting worked over in those matchups, but it was very clear that he wasn't really doing what you were hoping 
maybe the Jaguars were hoping he, him to do in terms of being a guy that could really contain those guys. He could go toe to toe. He could compete with those guys. He certainly would make those guys work for it. But we even saw this in the Jacksonville game with the Falcons. Julio Jones did not have a quiet performance in that game and had a number of receptions go against AJ Bouye. It wasn't as if AJ Bouye was, you know, he was running circles around AJ Bouye. AJ Bouye was in his hip pocket. He was chasing him all around the field, but he wasn't doing as much as you would hope in a true number one corner to be able to go toe to toe and slow that type, that caliber of wide receiver down. So we're talking about the elite of the elite receivers that give a guy like AJ Bouye problems, the Julio Joneses of the world, those type of guys. And so that to me is sort of where I kind of expect AJ Terrell to be. And you can argue that's what we saw in that national title game against Jamar Chase from LSU, where Jamar Chase is basically, or at least last year, was the Julio Jones of college football and coupled with his quarterback. There was a lot of throws in that game where Joe Burrow put that ball in the exact same, in the exact spot that he needed to to make it a perfect throw. That even if AJ Terrell was in perfect position, I don't know if he would have been able to contest that throw to the degree that we wanted him to do. Um, and he was able to, at least hold his own at points in that game. He had a couple of breakups in that game. There was a couple of plays, particularly early in that game where Terrell was able to go toe to toe with uh, Jamar chase and, and match him up man to man. But in the end, we saw that, Jamar Chase was just too much for A.J. Terrell, just like I think we saw guys like Mike Evans, Julio Jones, A.J. Brown were just a little bit too much for A.J. Bouye this past season. And that's still a good corner. I want you to make. And so when I'm talking about my eye level, this is kind of what I think he's going to be. But I obviously I think there's potential for A.J. Terrell to be better than that. But like that to me is sort of what he is like. He would be the best number two corner on a team that had an elite corner that had a Jalen Ramsey type of player that had a Darius Slay type of player. And everybody would say, Oh man, AJ Terrell's the, the best number two corner in the NFL. He can also be a capable number one corner, but if you're going to ask him to sort of be that matchup against the premier receivers, like the Julio Joneses, he's going to leave a little bit wanting in that degree. And so that to me is sort of where I'm, currently sort of projecting where I think is a realistic expectation for what AJ Terrell is going to be uh, moving forward in the NFL. So we will talk a little bit more about Terrell's development as well as getting into the, maybe dispelling a little bit of the myth that he didn't face premier competition uh, beyond Jamar chase in his college career coming up on today's episode. But I do want to let you guys know that if you are not subscribed to the locked on NFL podcast, you should be subscribed to it and get former NFL scout, Matt Williamson, as well as host Brian Peacock's thoughts on all the news around the league. You can subscribe to Locked On NFL Podcast on your favorite podcast platform, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. So I know one one knock, one frequent uh, criticism of AJ Terrell is, you know, particularly as it pertains to that national title game, is oh he played in the ACC, he didn't play anybody, and then when he faced a quote unquote real receiver from the SEC uh, in Jamar Chase, he got exposed, and, and that's an indicator. I you know I think. It's true. The ACC has not produced a ton of top end wide receivers the last couple of years. I think they've had like two wide receivers drafted over the last two years. And both of them were like fifth or sixth round picks. So that's true. But you got to remember the best receivers in the ACC play on this team. So he was practicing against some legit first and second round talents every day of the week. Um, you know, you got Justin Ross coming out next year. People think he's going to be a potential top 10 pick. You have uh, T Higgins. Wasn't he a second round pick this past year, if I'm not mistaken, uh, for the Bengals? Wasn't he the, the number one pick in, in round two? He was 
33rd overall, if I'm not mistaken. So it's not as if like AJ Terrell hasn't been tested by corners. They just weren't tested on Saturdays. He was tested, you know, Monday through Friday in practice. And then when you look at Clemson's out of conference schedule, it's not like Clemson was playing a whole bunch of cupcakes guys. You know, obviously you had the two, the playoff games in both years going up against LSU, going up against Ohio state, going up against Notre Dame and Alabama. He held his own against Jerry Judy and Devonte Smith and Henry Ruggs in the national title game. He had that uh, pick six. That's going to definitely be on his highlight reel for all time. Um, you know, the week before against Notre Dame, Chase Claypool and Miles Boykin, he held his own against those guys, two big wide receivers uh, that were both, what, third round picks in the league the last two years. Um, Ohio State has a bevy of receivers. You know, they, Clemson plays South Carolina. So he, he matched up with Debo Samuel. Debo got him a couple of times, but other times he was right there with Debo Samuel. And we saw how effective Debo Samuel was this past year. Uh, you also have Texas A&M um, and Texas A&M, you know, I think only got one receiver drafted this past year, but they had several guys that are NFL caliber guys uh, on that roster. So this idea that he hasn't played anybody in ACC or based off his schedule, I think is a little exaggerated and just people looking for reasons to try to take shots at him. But that being said, I just wanted to say that um, that being said, when we look at what AJ Terrell is going to be, particularly when we project him out for this season, it's a little difficult because we know all the things going on. This is not a normal off season, um, given the fact that we have the COVID-19 situation, but in a normal off season, I would be relatively confident that AJ Terrell could step in right away and be the Falcons number one corner. Again, is he going to be a sort of shadow matchup guy? No, not right away, but he's certainly a guy that could lock down his side of the field. And if the number one receiver happens to be on that side of the field, I feel pretty comfortable that he can hold his own against that guy right away. Even as a rookie, you like AJ Terrell's scheme fit. Very good. You know how the Falcons want to play defensively. They want to play zone on early downs. They're going to play a, a heavy dose of cover three in when they play zone, but Raheem Moore showed that he is not afraid to play some cover too. I think AJ Terrell fits perfectly in that type of scheme. And then we know on third downs, when push comes to shove, the Falcons want to play man defense. They want to play man coverage, cover one and, and potentially press man coverage on those third downs And AJ Terrell. Again, and I think is a perfect fit. So from a scheme fit standpoint, I think AJ Terrell is exactly what the Falcons are looking for in a cornerback. He's going to again, play in any variety of coverages, he's going to be able to support your defense in, against the run and, and do any types of things that you want to do. Anything that Raheem Morris wants to draw up, I think A.J. Terrell is a great fit for that. You know, and I think ultimately, and again, whether this happens this season or in the future, I think when we sort of project out what A.J. Terrell is going to be, I think we can compare him favorably, similar to A.J. Bouye, but to guys like Desmond Trufant and, and Robert Alford. That is he going to be the guy that's going to lock down and, and, and be that elite man corner against number one wide receivers? Probably not. I'm not necessarily confident about that, or I'm not super confident about that. Um, I can be optimistic, but you know, when we had Trufon and Alford playing at their levels, you know, from 2014 to 2017, when those guys were playing some of their better football uh, collectively, you never went into a game, even if the other team had a premier wide receiver whether it was a Devontae Adams or a Michael Thomas or Amari Cooper, you never went into those games really fearing that number one receiver. You knew that that number one guy is going to get his ass. All number one receivers 
often do, but you never felt like that was going to be a huge problem or your defense was going to, he's going to be creating a huge nightmare for your secondary and for your defense. And that's kind of where I feel like AJ Terrell is going to potentially be and sort of what the timetable for him reaching that level remains to be seen. Could it happen in year one? Sure. But again, since he's a rookie and rookie cornerbacks aren't the most reliable and you couple that with not having an off season due to COVID-19, I'm not going to necessarily hold my breath that he's going to come in and be that guy right away. Although I want him to, I am rooting for that. Um, I'm hopeful, but I'm not necessarily confident that he's going to be able to do that. I do feel a lot more confident that with a year under his belt and if things can start to return to normalcy next year in 2021, that he can start to be more of that player. And I'm more optimistic about that potential outcome of being that true font esque type of, of corner for this team. But, you know, one of the big questions is going to be whether or not this coaching staff survives long enough to get to that year, um, which doesn't necessarily have to do with AJ Terrell. Um, but you do wonder if, this coaching staff is not going to last more than a year. How then does AJ Terrell fit in a variety of schemes? And as I said at the top, I think he is scheme versatile. Now, if the Falcons were to hire a new coach that wants to bring in a man heavy scheme, and then they're going to ask AJ Terrell to be that Darius Slay type of guy that's going to shadow number one receivers. I'm not sure if that's the ideal scheme that I would draw up for AJ Terrell, because I think you're losing a lot of his ability to be an effective playmaker in zone that way. But I think he can definitely hold his own. You know, if you throw him to the wolves and that, I think, you know, to mix my metaphors, he can sink rather than, or I'm sorry, he can swim rather than sink in that regard. Um, And I feel pretty confident that he eventually in that type of scheme, he could, hold his own. But, you know, obviously I think in an ideal scheme, you would play him in the scheme that the Falcons already have, which is a hefty dose of zone and a hefty dose of man and try to balance the two things to, to get the best of both worlds from his skill set. in terms of being that sort of number one shadow corner. I think, again, I think he can be that guy down the road. I just wouldn't necessarily expect him to be that guy coming out of the gates. And, you know, you even look at a player like Darius Slay, he didn't really start to play at a level as a top 10 cornerback until like his third NFL season. And so, you know, he hasn't really looked back since then, although he had a little bit of a down year last year in Detroit. But for the most part, you know, from 2015 to 2018, Darius Slay was a legit top five, top 10 caliber corner. Um, And I feel like that's a similar timetable that I would think is realistic for A.J. Terrell uh, if he does reach that ceiling or gets close to it. That, you know, the first two years, he kind of gets his feet wet, but you see the flashes, you see the potential, you see him as an ascending player. And then probably year three, which would be 2022, is the year where you're like, okay, this is the guy that we're going to come to know and love for the next five or so years of playing at a really, really high level at this position. So that's kind of my projected timetable. Obviously, as I said earlier, there's so many variables, unknowns in that to, to really be super confident and we'll just have to wait and see, but hopefully, you know, he doesn't have to deal with durability. Hopefully, you know, I don't, there's no indication that off field and character issues are going to be a problem with him. We'll just have to sort of see what he becomes, but I, I do feel like he's a really good player. Certainly has number one corner potential and a guy that, Again, I think a realistic projection of what he can be in this league is, is someone like an A.J. Bouye, which, you know, for three or so years was considered one of the better cornerbacks in the league. Um, and I, I think that's a realistic goal for uh, A.J. Terrell. So he's a player I like. I think he's a good pick. And uh, we will, you know, keep this conversation rolling with future scouting reports. We should get a Marlon Davidson scouting report, if not next week, then the week after. 
by then that will have given me enough time if we have to wait two weeks and by then I'll be able to just pump out the last four scouting reports relatively quickly. So I don't think we're going to have to drag these scouting reports out into like the middle of June, like we had to do in uh previous off season. So hopefully we can get all these done and cranked out by Memorial day that weekend or, or whatever the case may be. So that's what you guys have to look forward to uh, coming up further on the lockdown Falcons. Please provide me your feedback on what you think about AJ Terrell, or if you want some clarification on sort of how I view certain elements of his game or some of the things I said on today's episode, of course, you can hit me up on Twitter at lockdown Falcons on Facebook at lockdown Falcons, or you can send an email to lockdown Falcons at mail.com. We'll be back tomorrow, guys, Monday. Happy you have a good weekend. Enjoy yourselves. If you have the chance, I don't know what part of the country you're in, but if you got some good weather, you know, Keep your social distancing together, but, uh, you know, cook out a little bit. I don't know. Have a, have your own personal social distancing barbecue. If you can, that's one of the things I'm planning to do this weekend. So good luck with that. Stay safe out there guys. And, uh, see you on the next one until then. You are locked on Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day.